Amen. And this morning I'm preaching out of the book of Matthew chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, we're turning there. Matthew chapter number 1 this morning. Been preaching a series of messages entitled Ornaments of Grace. Ornaments of Grace. Matthew chapter 1. I'll ask if you will stand to your feet this morning. Matthew chapter 1. Scripture says the book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begot Isaac, and Isaac begot Jacob, and Jacob begot Judah and his brethren, and Judah begot Perez and Zerah of Tamar, and Perez begot Esram, and Esram begot Aram, and Aram begot Aminadab, and Aminadab begot Neason, and Neason begot Salmon, and Salmon begot Boaz of Rahab, and Boaz begot Obed of Ruth, and Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David the king, and David the king begot Solomon of her that had been the wife of Uriah. So on and so forth, the verse 616, and Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. We see in this lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ, ornaments of grace. We looked our first message in verse 6, speaking about of her that had been the wife of Uriah, speaking about Uriah and Bathsheba. The question is, does it matter if I'm faithful? Because faithfulness matters. Uriah was faithful to his marriage, faithful to his king, faithful to his general and commander, Joab, faithful to God. So faithfulness does matter. And we looked at some things that God kept out of Uriah's life because he was faithful. Last week, we looked in verse 3 at Tamar. We looked at broken pieces. And my, 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 what a story that Tamar, her life story, a life story that had all kinds of innuendo and even incest inside that situation. Yet God took the broken pieces of her life and turned her around, amen, for his glory and put her in the lineage of the Lord Jesus Christ. This morning we're looking at verse 5. Salmon begot Boaz of Rahab. We're thinking about grace in a most unlikely place. Grace in a most unlikely place. Last week we were thinking about the time that we dropped the Christmas ornament that was so special to us and it shattered and was smashed every which way. This morning I'm thinking about sometimes when you're working, maybe you decorate a tree and it's got those hard places, hop top, hard to get to. Got to go up the step ladder and sometimes you fall off. Hello? <laughs> sometimes you have low down places you got to reach down to and I'm telling you, you're back. When you start getting old, you start having problems. Amen. You can't reach those low places anymore, amen? Then there's those places back in the corner. You can't hardly get back there and you think, ah, oh, nobody will ever see it. It'll be all right. Just don't put nothing on it. Just push it. I'm talking about grace in an unlikely place, a place you can't reach, a place you can't get to, a place where you think nobody's looking, where nobody knows. I'm glad the grace of God reaches further then you and I realize that it reaches, amen. Father, would you help us this morning as we try to preach your word, 
Stir us by your spirit, Father, Father, I pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Salmon begot Boaz of Rahab. Begin to think about Rahab the harlot back in the book of Joshua, chapter number 2. You think about this woman being in the lineage of Christ. Did you realize that 42 names in that lineage in Matthew chapter 1 that are that is mentioned there, 37 of them, the women, the mother, is never even mentioned. But there are five where the mother is specifically mentioned. And we're looking at the third one today, Rahab the harlot. And it's, it's very unusual for the Jews to be able to see a woman listed in genealogy. It's extremely rare. It's highly unusual for that to happen. So sometimes you look back and you see who your ancestors were and you realize that uh, your family tree, amen, is nothing but a bunch of sinners. I'm related to a bunch of nobodies. I was related to a, a crooked farmer by the name of Adam. I was related to a drunken sailor by the name of Noah. And uh, you're related to him as well. Say amen right there. Hallelujah. We've all come through Noah. We've all come through Adam, amen. Now in Joshua chapter number two, uh, we're certainly looking at a young lady by the name of Rahab. The Bible says in Joshua, the son of Nun sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly saying, go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came into a harlot's house named Rahab and they lodged there. I see first of all, Rahab's condemnation. Look with me. She is called Rahab the harlot. She has a reproachable origin. Preacher Darren, what is her reproachable origin? Well, look where she lives. She lives in Jericho. Here's Joshua, and the children of Israel are ready to cross over the Jordan, ready to go into the Canaan land, and the first city that they're going to have to conquer and take is a city by the name of Jericho. It's a wicked place. It is a, a place of Canaanites. It's an idolatrous place, a place filled with pagan idols and pagan gods and begin to think about the Canaanites. Do you know where the Canaanites originated from? In the book of Genesis chapter number 9, we see a man by the name of Noah who's built a boat and his wife got on the boat. His three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth got on board the boat and their wives, and that's all, and the animals that God sent. And for 40 days and 40 nights, God sent plenteous rain that flooded the earth, and Noah's on the boat for over a year. And after it landed, and the animals were able to come out, and the family of faith was able to come out, the Bible says that Noah planted a vineyard, and he got drunk. And when he got drunk, he laid naked. And Ham looked at his daddy's nakedness, and he laughed about it. And he went and told his two brothers, Shem and Japheth, look, there's our old foolish daddy laying there completely naked and drunk, laughing at him. And Shem and Japheth walked backwards with a quilt or some something to cover their daddy's nakedness with and wouldn't look upon him. And when Noah realized what was done, he pronounced a curse, not on him, but on his son, Canaan. And the Canaanites had a curse upon them that goes all the way back to Ham and his laughing at his daddy. And the Canaanites would be servants to Shem and they'd be servants to Japheth all the days and, and for all the years that were ever to come. And the Canaanites are a wicked, idolatrous, 
ungodly people. And they inhabit the city of Jericho. They have no care, no concern for the Lord God of heaven. And here is Rahab. Not only is she the harlot, but she has reproachable origin of being a Canaanite family. Wicked and notorious. She has a reproachable origin. I would remind you of your reproachable origin. Amen. You are of this world. This world is filled with sin and Canaanite living all around. Somebody said, well, preacher Darren, wait a minute. Uh, we've always heard about the Canaan land. We're going into the Canaan land. Ain't that a good thing? There'll be giants there. There'll be enemies. There'll be, uh, there'll be uh, times to fight. Time, I'm telling you, Canaan's a good place, a land full of milk and, milk and honey, but there are giants in that land. Now here these two spies are going to spy the land. They're going to scout out Jericho. Let's look around this city wall. It's so big you can build houses on it. Let's look through this land. And when they get there, they think, where are we going to hide? I mean, the king will come after us. He'll kill us. What do we do? And they said, we'll go to the harlot's house. That wouldn't be anything unusual. We'll go and hide there. That They would never find us there. We'll hide right underneath their nose. She has, second of all, a repulsive occupation. She's a harlot. Her life is controlled by sin. She's engaged in a depraved lifestyle. She sells her body to men for money. She is living in sin, living in wickedness. She is lost. She is helpless. She is hopeless. She is dead in her trespasses and in her sins. My Bible says we were the same way. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 2. Where in time past you walked according to the course of this world. Amen. We were dead in trespasses and sin. The Bible tells us the soul that sinneth, it shall die. The Bible tells us the wages of sin is death. We're all sinners. Rahab may have been a harlot. You may have been a drunkard. You may have been a drug dealer. Uh, you may have been a cusser. You may have been an unbeliever. I'm telling you we were all sinners. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We see her approachable origin. We see her repulsive occupa occupation. Look with me thirdly at her reviling operation. She's living in a house that is built upon the wall surrounded the, surrounding the city of Jericho. It is a city that is slated for destruction. There she is, living in open sin, and she felt safe because she felt like though she lives on the wall, she's part of that wall. That wall is secure. That wall will never fall. That wall will always be standing, and she felt like she was safe there. No doubt. There's been times that she maybe looked out the window and had the most beautiful view of anybody, and it was a view of pleasure. May I say to you today, you may feel like you're the safest of the safe. You may feel like things are going great for me. You have no idea. Problem, preacher Darren, I don't have any problems. Everything's going good for me. May I say that those walls represent strength. Those walls represent power. But they got a bullseye on them because God has targeted that city for a fall. God has targeted that city to be under his judgment and his condemnation. And now I want to say the very thing she trusts has a target on it. What is it you trust? Is it your bank account? Is it your retirement? What is it you trust? Is it your good standing? Is it your integrity? I'm telling you the very thing that you think you're strong in, that's most usually the place where you let your guard down. And an unguarded strength is an unprotected weakness. And that's where the enemy will tear you down. Abraham was a man of faith, but guess where he was attacked? When he went into a famine, he said to his wife, say you're my sister. 
What a man of faith. He lied. What about David? David was well known for his integrity. What did he do? He took another man's wife, Bathsheba, and then took Uriah and had him murdered. I'm just telling you, the very thing you think you're strong in is really, if you're not careful, a double weakness in your life. And here she was thinking that she was safe and everything was good, not knowing she was living in sin and condemnation. I'm talking to somebody today. You're in a bad, I'm gonna get tore up. You're in a bad place in your life. You cannot see, here you are today, you're listening to me online, you, you've come today in person, somebody's invited you, here you are, and you cannot see why God would want you and his family, why God would want to use you today. In fact, you're in a situation right now, and you're not happy about it, you, you've tried to adjust it, you've, you've bucked against it, you've kicked at it, you, you've tried to change it, you've done all you can to change your situation, and God has you just exactly where he wants you. And you may say, it's, I, I got a bad, I mean, my wife has multiple sclerosis. How could that be the will of God? I mean, listen, God uses those things for his glory. You have to understand, quit bucking, quit kicking, and realize that God has you right where he wants you. You may think you're in a place uh, that you're outside of the reach of God's grace, but I'm telling you, God's able to reach down and touch you right where you are. I read this morning, sitting in my office, Isaiah 59, 1. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save. Neither is his ear heavy that it cannot hear. You've got to know grace can reach you in an unlikely place. Here she is, living on that wall, living in the pleasure of sin, living, selling her body to men, living, thinking nobody will ever find out. I'm okay. God's grace is going to reach her. May I say this to you today? I hope you understand what I'm going to tell you. God's going to take you where you are. He's going to change what you are. And he's going to use who you are for his glory. He's going to overcome your past. He's going to override your present. And he's going to oversee your future. Here's a woman living in condemnation. And God says, ooh, that's just who I'm looking for. That's just who I want. No way, preacher Darren, that God was looking for a harlot named Rahab. Oh, think about it with me. Second of all, Rahab's conviction. Rahab's conviction. Look with me. Now, they've come and they've, They've lodged there, and the Bible says in verse number six, I mean, the king's been looking for him, verse six, she brought them up to the roof of the house and hid them with the stalks of flax which she had laid in order upon the roof. So she welcomed in the very ones that God's gonna use to destroy her city. She welcomed her them into her house and put them up on the top of the roof and hid them there. Look with me in verse eight. Look at the reverence she has. Before they were laid down, she came up unto them upon the roof, and she said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land. Oh, boy. And that terror, that your terror is fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. What about that? She knew just exactly who these two Jews were. She knew about their God, knew about their people, knew about their testimony. Keep reading, verse number 10. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. Let's just stop right there. They've been 40 years in the wilderness. God parted the Red Sea. 
Amen. When, when the children of Israel were there coming out of Egypt, the Red Sea blocked them. Pharaoh changed his mind, had them locked down, caught up by the sea, and God caused the Red Sea to part, and the children of Israel walked over on dry ground, and the Egyptian army pursued, and he drowned the whole Egyptian army. And 40 years, they wandered in the middle of the wilderness, and here's this girl, 40 years later, saying, we heard about you. We heard about your God. You know it's just like God. To put a whole nation in jeopardy just so he can reach one sinner. God put the whole nation of Israel subject to peril that day at the Red Sea when Egypt was drawn down there to them to attack them. He's put them all in peril. He said, oh, you don't know what I'm getting ready to do. I'm going to go after Rahab the harlot, but she needs to hear what I'm about to do and she's going to have faith by the time we get there. Amen. Woo! Ain't it just like God has been, you don't realize it, but God has been working undercover in your life this entire time just to get to the place that you'd have a testimony to reach somebody that's lost. Preacher, this diagnosis of cancer, preacher there in this injury, preacher there in this, this problem in my life, why would God do that? Oh, you have no idea about the reach of the grace of God and why he allows terrible things to happen in your life that he may reach somebody that's in trouble. Years ago, I've told this story before, I was uh, at our house, we lived here in Spruce Pine and our uh, gas water heater, the pilot light went out. First thing I thought was, do we have gas? Yes, we do. I went back down there, the wind didn't blow it out. It just went out. I don't understand why. I went back down there. I, I mashed the button down. I went to light it. Nothing. Pilot wouldn't hold. Waited five minutes. Pushed down. Lit it again. Nothing. Pilot wouldn't hold. Waited maybe ten minutes. Went back down. Held the gas down. Boom! It blew up in my face. Somebody jumped. I seen y'all. Boom! It burnt all my eyelashes. Off. My eyebrows gone. Front of my hair. Missing. Burnt my face, singed my arm. I was a mess, y'all. Burnt upside of my face. I was hurt and I was screaming. Ah! Gina come running. I was downstairs. She heard my scream from downstairs. She said, honey, what's wrong? And what is that strange smell? I smell something burning. I said, Lord God, it's me. I'm burnt to a crisp down here. I went upstairs. She said, we got to get you to the hospital. This is bad. I mean, y'all have no, I mean, I can laugh about it now. But man, I was hurting bad. And I thought, man, I'll be all dead at that hospital. I need help now. Bless us. Help us, Jesus. And so we called some of the folks from Dr. Hill's office. And they said, we'll meet you down there. And they put that silver stuff. Man, I look like a, I, Miss Gina drove me there. She said, permission to go fast. I said, very fast. Get me there. We was driving. We got there. I'm, I confessed every sin I'd ever committed, every sin you ever committed, every sin my family would ever commit. God, why did you do this to me? God, why am I burnt? Why? Lord, what did I do wrong? Help me, Jesus. Please forgive me. I got there. They put that on me and went back out to the car. I mean, I, I walked out like this, you know. And, and, and Miss Gina, she was there talking to him about what to expect and what to do that night and I laid down on my bed when I got home and I said again Lord I'm telling you I'm sorry whatever I did I'm sorry I'm wrong I mean I, I confessed everything the next morning I woke up somebody was having knee surgery in our church I won't say who it was but you was having knee surgery and the Lord said okay you need to go down there and I said I ain't going down there 
I'm burnt. God said, you're supposed to go down there and you're going to check on that person that's had knee surgery. I said, Lord, they didn't check on me. I got burnt last night. I had to go. Nobody called me. You ever done that? Nobody called check on me. I'm the pastor of church. God said, I checked on you. Now get your necktie on and get down there. I said, Lord, I'll go down there, but I ain't staying for the whole hour and a half or two hours it takes to do this. Lord, I'll go down there and check on them. And I'm telling you, I was an unwilling vessel. I was aggravated, upset that I had the call of God on my life. I didn't want to be there at that point in time. I was aggravated I got burnt. God, you failed me. Where was you at when this diagnosis happened to me, when this accident happened to me? Lord, where was you at? I'll tell you where he was. His son was hanging on the cross. I'll tell you where he was. He was sitting on a high throne in glory, amen. I went down there to the hospital. I walked up there. I checked for the room number. They was getting ready to admit her to a room. I went, I went over there to the, or the patient over the room. I went back to the room and I said, I'm here to check. And they said, nope. The doctor slammed the door in my face and just got out of surgery. You have to wait here. I stood up against the wall. Man, I was hurting. I was aggravated. I was frustrated. And this little lady, she's a nurse, walked down there. She said, are you Pastor Waldrop? Well, yes, I am. I don't even want to be here. She said, there's a little lady dying right down here. Would you come with me? You might pray with this little lady. I thought, I don't think she can tell me that. HIPAA laws would govern that. She couldn't tell me this lady's condition, what's going on in her life. So I, I better not tell her. I better keep it a secret. So I went over, and I went to the room, and I called the lady's name, Miss So-and-so. She said, yes. I said, uh, how are you? She said, I'm not well. They tell me I'm going to die within maybe two days. I can't hardly even talk. I said, ma'am, I started talking to her. I said, can I pray with you? She said, yes, you could pray with me. I said, then do you believe in prayer? She said, I believe in prayer. I said, oh, good. You're a Christian then? She said, no, I've never been saved. My mother was a good Christian. My daddy was a good Christian, but I never got saved. And I married a man that was an infidel, and he kept me and my family out of church all those years, and I've never been saved. And now they tell me I'm going to die. And I said, man, will you look at me? Will you look at me? She said, I was just studying what was wrong with you. I had stuff all over me. I was a mess. I mean, I was burnt, red places, raised up. It was bad. She said, I was just studying what was wrong with you. I thought, Lord, it's that bad. It's that Lord. And I said, ma'am, I got flash burned by a pilot light on my gas water heater. And I told her how much pain I was in. And the tears, the salt out of my tears running down my face was burning my face so bad. And I was weeping and I was crying and begging her. I said, you have no idea to the pain and the torment and the misery that you're about to be in if you die and leave this world and go to hell. Don't you want to be saved? She said, do you believe he had saved me? I said, he said, come, let us reason together, said the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. She said, but I've been wicked. I've been, I've been a wicked sinner. Let me tell you something. You have no idea of the reach of the grace of God. He can reach low. He can reach high. He can reach in the corner. He'll get behind there where nobody knows. And I'm telling you in an instant, he came into that room and reached down. And when that woman called on him, he gloriously saved her and I'm going to see her in heaven one day. She left this world about two days later. I went back down the hallway. The, the room where I was supposed to visit was still shut. So I went and I thought, okay, I'll stand here when the door opens. I'll pray. I went back down to the nurse's desk. I was going to thank the nurse. I know most of those girls that work down there. But I didn't know that lady. And I said, listen, you got a nurse here? Looks like so-and-so. No. Looks look like, no. Went, no. And I thought, God sent an angel to visit me standing in the middle of a hallway 
Flash burned all over my face. Aggravated, miserable, upset. Didn't want the call of God on me at that moment. And in that very place where I was so defeated, God took me and saved a lady, amen, and God had visited me with an angel. Honey, I'm telling you, you have no idea of the reach of the grace of God. And this diagnosis or this problem, this trouble in your life that you're so upset about, honey, just relax. God's still on the throne. He's still sovereign over it all. And he's worked it all out that he might reach just one more person to be saved with your testimony. And I believe God did. That's not in my notes. But I think God did that, amen, for Rahab the harlot. Thirdly, I want us to see Rahab's conversion. Now, Rahab's conversion. Look at verse 11. She says, as soon as we heard these things, our heart did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, right? She's still in her conviction. The Lord your God, He is God in heaven above and in the earth beneath. Now therefore I pray you swear unto me by the Lord, since I have shown you kindness, that you will also show kindness unto my Father's house and give me a true token. Here she is. She's calling upon the Lord. They tell her, says, listen, if you will let out that scarlet cord out of the window, you're going to be spared. Verse 18, behold, when we come into the land, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window which thou didst let us down by. Now, here she was. She put them off on the roof. They came down the window. She put out, a, listen, of all the cords, of all the ropes, she put out a scarlet rope. She lived on the wall. She put out a scarlet rope to let them men down to safety by. They said, by the scarlet thread in the window, which thou didst let us down by, thou shalt bring thy father, thy mother, thy brethren, and all thy father's house home unto thee. In other words, what they're saying is, everybody that's in this house, upon the wall, that you bring in, this house of faith, she's just got right with God, they're going to be spared. They're going to be saved from the day of judgment. Hallelujah. Right there, she believed God for her salvation. Faith, what is faith, preacher dear? Faith is receiving what God has revealed. God has revealed to her his self, and she has believed and has called upon him. Faith cometh by, uh, cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. That scarlet thread, very symbolic. Scarlet, it represents the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, which has been shed for our sins. Scarlet is a color of dye. It's made from a tola worm. It, it, when it's crushed, it secretes its red color. Hey, Psalm 22.6, Messianic Psalm, Psalm 22.6. Behold, speaking of Jesus, I am a worm and no man. And on Calvary, he was crushed and he shed his blood, glory to God, that our sins might be washed away. Those spies climbed out of that window to a place of safety. Can you just imagine? They were lifted up when you climb up and they were let down to the ground. They went, the Bible says that they went and they hid three days. I heard that number somewhere, three days. Jesus was in the grave, amen. When the spies come back, you know what they're looking for? They're looking for the scarlet thread that's to be hanging in the window. You know what Jesus is looking for when he comes? He's looking for the blood. He's not looking for how many stars are beside your name in your Sunday school class. He's not looking for your tithing record. He's not looking for how many times you've been to the altar. He's looking for the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he's looking for when he comes back. Amen. Now look with me. I want you to see Rahab's concern. 
The Bible says in verse 13 again, she says, that, she says in verse 13, not only do I want to be saved, look at verse 13, not only do I want to be saved, that you will save alive my father and my mother and my brethren and my sisters and all that they have and deliver our lives from death. She's asking not only after she gets saved, she gets burdened about her family. Let me say this. If she's going to get her family into her house, there's going to have to be some changes take place. I'm pretty sure her daddy is not going to go into her house if he knows she's been living in harlotry. I'm pretty sure her mama's not showing up to say, hey, mama, there's going to come judgment and condemnation and the wall's going to fall. Jericho's going to be destroyed. Girl, don't you be telling me about your righteousness. You are a harlot, girl. We're ashamed of you in the way you've been living. She's going to have to show them that a change has taken place. Man, I get to thinking about what I was. I look back. What a sinner. How unworthy. How defiled. How, how undeserving I was. I'm telling you, but Jesus saved me Love me, save me by his grace. And honey, I'm going to tell you something. Y'all don't know it, but there's been a change that's happened in my life, amen. I'm no longer that old boy that I used to be. There's a change happened, and his name is Jesus. And I'm going to tell you something. She, a change, she changed her clothes. She changed her communication. She changed her countenance. She changed her attitude. There had been a change. She didn't change it. God changed it. And when she started going to her daddy, tears rolled down her face. When she went to her mama, tears rolled down her face. She said, I've been saved, mama. I'm begging you. God has shown me. And I'm telling you, they saw the change. And they believed the word. And her mother, her daddy, her family, they started getting in that house, amen, that they might be saved. May I say to you today, after your conversion, you know what became your concern? That your family would get in. Amen. That they'd go to heaven. You know, I'm concerned that my family goes to heaven. I was concerned that little lady at the hospital was going to go to heaven. I didn't even know her. I'm concerned, sir, ma'am, watching online today. I'm concerned that you go to heaven with me. I'm telling you, I can't take you myself, but I can tell you who can. His name is Jesus. He gave his life on Calvary's cross for your sins. Amen. That you might be saved. He was buried and death could not hold him. The grave could not keep him. He arose victorious over death, hell, and the grave. Honey, and a man that has that kind of power, the God man, he has the power to change your life. He has the power to convert your soul. He has the power. I need to get an amen here. He has the power to take us all to heaven. Amen. Rahab believed him. Preacher, Darren, how long are you going to preach? I'm telling you, till I'm done. Now, I want to go over here to chapter number six of the book of Joshua. I want you to see fifthly, this is my last point. I want you to see Rahab's conquest. In Joshua chapter number six and verse 16, we remember the story. God told Joshua, you take the children of Israel, you march around the walls of Jericho one time each day for six days. Don't say, just be silent and walk around. I've, we've done some of that at Fletcher. God saved 52 the next Sunday. We've done some of that here. God saved 70 some in a month. 
Oh, what was you doing? We just walk around believing God. I'm telling you, people are watching us walking around like, what? I seen, we were walking outside in the middle of December a few years ago. People about wrecked on the highway. What's all these people doing? Walking around that building, they lost their mind. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we lost their mind. Glad we got the mind of Christ. Amen. Six days walk around Jericho. And on the seventh day, walk around it seven times. And on the seventh time around, I want you to blow the sound of the shofar, the trumpet. And I want you to shout, victory for the Lord hath given you the city. Preacher didn't have them walls fall. Surely they didn't fall by them just walking around. They didn't have no bazookas. They didn't have no M16s. They didn't have no helicopters and stealth bombers to come in. They didn't have the army. They didn't have the marines. They didn't have the naval seals. They didn't have, they didn't have the air force. They had God. And they walked by faith. And on the seventh time around, he's getting ready to shout. And somebody might have said, shout? What do we have to shout about? I mean, here we are outside and they're inside. Here we are. We ain't got no weapons. And look what they got. They got a double-walled city. They got houses living on the walls. It's so big. We ain't got a chance. Somebody said, God's on the throne. We're saved. We're his children. I can shout about that. We got enough health today to be a walking. We got enough health today to be a breathing. I can shout about that. And God told us what he'd do. Let's just shout on credit, amen. And about that time, they said, well, glory, hallelujah, God is good. You start shouting sometime in the devil's face, he'll leave you alone. You start getting thankful and you start praising him, he'll leave you alone. Honey, when they got about halfway around, I'm telling them walls, said, uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. When they got all the way around on the seventh time, the walls fell, splat, right to the ground. I was preaching here one time about shout now for the Lord hath given you the city. Johnny Green, Brother David, Johnny Green jumped up in the middle service while I was preaching and started shouting. Johnny Green, y'all know Johnny Green? He's the quietest dude I ever met. Never said nothing to nobody. He is always quiet, very respectful, very humble. Sat right back there while I was preaching. He jumped up and he went, Woo! Hallelujah! Praise the Lord! Thank you, Jesus! It wasn't just a few days and that right there got saved. It wasn't just a few days. Some of his family started getting saved. Hey, shout now! God will do great things for you if you'll believe him, amen? Just trust him. Now look with me in chapter number 6, verse number 16. Shout, verse 16, for the Lord hath given you the city. Verse 20. So the people shouted when the priests blew with the trumpets. And it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet. And the people shouted with a great shout that the wall fell down flat. So that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city. And they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, and ox and sheep and ass with the edge of the sword. But Joshua had said unto the two men that had spot out the country, go into the harlot's house and bring out thence the woman and all that she hath as you swear unto her. And the young men that were spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and her mother and her brethren and all that she had. And they brought out all her kindred and left them without the camp of Israel. And they burnt the city with fire, and all that was therein, only the silver and the gold, and the vessels of brass and of iron, they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. Verse 25. Verse 25. Got to see it. Got to see it. And Joshua, that's a Hebrew name for Jesus. It means Savior. Joshua saved Rahab, the harlot, alive. Amen. 
and her father's household and all that she had, and she dwelleth in Israel even to this day because she hid the messengers which Joshua sent to spy out Jericho. She had a safe escape. Now, I'm going to quit right here. I get to think about the sovereign exaltation. My Bible says in Matthew 1 that she married a man by the name of Salmon. I looked him up in Ruth because he's the daddy of Boaz. I looked him up. His name's there a couple times. And did you know, did you know, listen, this is crazy. You know, you say Darren, it's Darren, right? You say Luke, it's Luke. But there in the Hebrew, it was Salmon and Salmoné. And two different derivations of the word from the Hebrew text. And that was blowing my mind. And I got to thinking about it. Salmon means clothing. Whew. Clothing. Preacher, Dan, I don't understand. He's an Israelite. He's a Jew. She's a Gentile. She's a girl with a reputation and a tarnished past. She, she is a wicked sinner that's gotten saved, but still, she's a Gentile. And Salmon, his name means clothing. Oh, I was in the rags of my sin. All my righteousness is as filthy rags. But he gave me garments of salvation. And he covered all my sins that ever I did. Hallelujah. She married Salmon. And now all that wickedness and all that sin has been covered and taken away. The next time his name is mentioned, it means investiture. It carries the idea of investing in someone giving them a position that they don't formally have. Y'all ain't getting it, but I am. God gave me grace. Amen. Here I was, a low-down, unworthy, despicable sinner, and God not only clothed me, but he invested in me and extended me grace. And woo, and he chose, glory to God. I'm just telling you, church, grace has come to an unlikely place when it fell upon you and when it fell upon me. And then God took her, Rahab the harlot, and he puts her, go back to Matthew 1, he puts her in the family of the lineage of Jesus Christ. And the Bible, almost every time you read it, Rahab, it always says the harlot. It always says the harlot, the harlot, the harlot, the harlot. It's there. So it'll always take her, cause her to mortify her flesh. Always to realize what she was. But look here. It says in verse 5, Salmon begot Boaz of Rahab. He didn't say she was a harlot. Preacher, that's because he's covered her. That's right. Preacher, that's because he's invested. He's given her grace. That's exactly right. May I just say, one of these days, I'm a child of God, but one of these days I'm going to heaven and there's going to be the marriage between the bridegroom, Jesus, and the bride, which is the church. And all my sin, this old body of flesh, will be a glorified body. Hey, Joshua saved Rahab the harlot alive. How far did, Ray, did grace reach down for her? You, you ready? From the lineage of the condemned to the lineage of Christ. I was dead. Woo! I was going to die an awful death 
And now he's given me abundant life. From the loneliness of harlotry to the love of a husband. From the iniquity of Canaan to the inheritance of Israel. I just want to say this. I don't know who you are. I'm done. Has his grace reached down to a most unlikely place and found you and saved you and redeemed you and still the grace of God. There I was in a hospital, standing there, aggravated, mad, upset. You ever get like that? Two people. You ever get like, ah, why am I doing this? How am I making any difference? Why, what's going on? Lord, where are you at? Why'd you, Lord, we've been praying. We've been trying to be faithful. What has happened to me? You ever been there? You ever been there? I want to ask you a question. A couple of them. Could it be that you have forgotten where you came from? Where he brought you from? Could it be that you are wrapped up in the cares of the world today? Could it just be that you've not been praising him? You've not been thankful? Are you struggling today? I want to ask you a question. This is it. Has the devil told you God's not going to use you? You done messed up too much. You done went too far. And God's never going to use you. He don't want you. He don't really care about you. Has the devil told you that? He's the biggest liar and the father of lies that's ever been. God's grace is able to reach down wherever you are, in the corner, behind everybody else, and able to reach specifically you. You are not beyond the reach of the grace of God. You stand to your feet this morning. Maybe there's somebody here. I'm going to go to the altar myself. But maybe there's somebody here. You need to come to the altar and say, Lord, I want to thank you for the grace of God that ransomed me, that rescued me, that delivered me. Lord, I want to praise you for it. I want to thank you for it. Folks are coming. Maybe there's somebody, maybe like Rahab, she got a burden for her family. Maybe there's somebody in your family. Maybe you got a prayer request of a, of a loved one. Maybe it's a, a spouse. Maybe it's a, a child. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a cousin. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a co-worker. Today, would you bring that name to Jesus? She got concerned over her family. Oh, today, would you come? Right now, come on. God bless you. God bless you. Folks still coming. Praise the Lord. Mind him. Father, this morning, as we bow our heads in reverence to your authority and to your righteousness and your holiness, we give you thanks and praise because, Lord, the truth be known, we are undeserving and unworthy. Lord, there is nothing good about me. I don't even know what you saw, but Lord, your love and your grace and your mercy, which is immeasurable, reached down and rescued me.
And Lord continues to work in my life under this day, despite the times that I get frustrated and aggravated and bent out of shape. Lord, you're still allowing me to see the purpose of a most holy God. Lord, would you forgive us of our old flesh? Forgive us of our carnality. Forgive us of our sin and our hard shell. And Lord, help us today to realize you do want us. You can use us. And we're still within the reach of the immeasurable grace of God. And Lord, I pray, I have cousins unsaved, loved ones, friends, acquaintances unsaved, enemies unsaved. Lord, you're not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. Save them, Lord, I pray, for Jesus' sake, before it's everlasting too late. Thank you, God, for what you do and who you are. Have this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.